0: All right, everybody. We're going to start our um, question and answer time. We have uh, several that were written and handed in to us. So we're going to try to, hopefully, we'll get through all of them. Who knows? We may just decide to avoid certain ones. Um, if you still have questions, or if you have follow-up questions, you know, we, we do have a mic um, that we can do. Um, those of you who are doing it, who are online, if you want to uh, put in something in the chat, that's great. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if my sister can run down here fast enough with the questions. But we'll see. Um, <laughs> somebody asked, this is kind of just a practical question, but is will the slides be available if you didn't have time to take down all the notes? Yes, we'll put them up on our website so you can see the slides. Someone also asked about the diagram that I showed earlier. We also can put that up. So n- no problem. Um, all right, so the first question, Rick, is uh, do we have any suggestions, um, you know, people are just hearing about or thinking about Trinity and how Trinity and unity and all that is uh, supposed to be impacting our lives. You know, what are some suggestions for doing that when we're not used to doing it or thinking about it?
1: Well, I do think the the goal here is a trinitarian discipleship to be trinitarian in our following of Christ, and so he's always the the most practical model. Although um, Dallas Willard, who I really like his books and some of his work, um, he said the point is not to do the things that Jesus did the way he did them, but to learn from Jesus to do the things we are called to do like Jesus would do them and I, I like that notion a lot and so uh, following Jesus closely is a great way to uh, practice the Trinity because he's always crying out to the Father and trusting in in the spirit and that's the same for us um, Dallas Willard talked about uh, discipleship being a three-legged stool and Somebody's going to have to help me remember what the third leg was, but I know two of them. <laughs> one, of them one of them is um, the ever always being aware of the uninterruptible presence of God's spirit with you. wherever you go and whatever you're doing. Um, you know in the psalm that talks about, you know, if I go to the highest place, you're there or the lowest place, you're there. If it's dark, you're there. And so practicing God's presence. And the second one was um, being faithful in the daily problems of life. And I love that. Acknowledging that Christianity or Trinitarian discipleship is not a get out of trouble free card. And... So practicing Trinitarian discipleship, you have to, I'll have to email you what the third leg of the stool was. But oh, the, the point was... It can be in suspense. Yeah. <laughs> to, to have, uh, you know, three uh, elements in that. Now, it occurred to me as the um, uh, pastor was going over some, some of the elements of Trinitarian discipleship, if, you, if I have in my mind what it looks like to think like... Um, god wants me to think to think after the mind of christ that is very helpful so um am i honoring the lord in all that i do am i going to the places that i'm going uh, with his blessing with his guidance with his sensitivity Um, those are all trinitarian expressions am i balancing the word and the spirit uh holding those together um Those are also very functional ways of being Trinitarian, um, I believe. I think also being in small group and just sharing, you know, our God moments with each other um, and even our failures with each other um, so that we're tight in accountability like that. Um, I think those are all ways that help me uh, continue to grow in that and, you know, reading the word and looking for, Uh, recognition of God's uh, insights and and uh, the moments where he wants to say something to me
0: and and um, you know one thing that's really hard to do is to just say okay I'm gonna be Trinitarian now or you know let's all get together and be Trinitarian and and things like that it doesn't really work that way Um, and if it does it's I mean if you did that just be kind of forced But one of the things to really think about is, as you're you're growing in your knowledge, and this is what happened to me, um, you know, I'm not going to tell you my Trinitarian testimony of how I became a convert to the the Trinity, as how important it is, but um, when it happened, it changed everything. It changed, you know, Rick did a great job of pulling out 75 of the formulas that we find in the New Testament. When I had a better understanding of the Trinity, I saw the Trinity on literally every page of Scripture. Hmm. There is some connection to the Trinity on virtually every page of Scripture um, throughout the Old and the New Testament. And I started to actually go through and, and do kind of that and try to compile you know some of these things. Um, but that's part of it. It's once you have you start to have Kind of a, a, a firmer understanding of who God is as Trinity, then you will see you will see God as Trinity everywhere, and you will see God as Trinity in the in the Scripture, um, um, on like I said, virtually every page, and that's a big deal because now you're starting to think in terms in a in a trinitarian way. You're starting to read Scripture in a trinitarian way. And when you when you do that, you then begin to think about well, okay, now the step to what that looks like in in my in in my life is is a it's a it's a shorter step at that point. Uh, but when you when you're still reading the scripture, unfortunately, like most modern Americans read scripture, we tend to read scripture not trinitarianly. We tend to read scripture um, as someone smarter than me said we read it like we looked at our school yearbook. And when you got your school yearbook, what's the first thing you did? You looked for yourself. And most people read scripture looking for themselves. They read it individualistically. They read it in terms of, you know, Jesus and me kind of theology. Jesus and me, um, you know, what's Jesus done for me lately? What's he gonna do for me? What, you know, everything's about Jesus and me. And as long as you keep reading scripture that way, it's fine, you know. You'll, you'll, you know. I'm, you'll. I'm sure you'll be welcomed into heaven, but you will always be, not. You will never be able to see the Trinity, because it's not just Jesus and you. That's that. That was a. That was a. I don't want to say it's a false theology, but it was a severely truncated, abbreviated theology that was preached throughout most of my lifetime, and and it's. And it it leaves with um, a, it 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 leaves with a less um, um, not a not a full gospel not a full understanding of the gospel. So that's one thing for sure. And then the second thing is just to once you understand that more, and once you understand um, what Scripture is telling us more, then the the other thing is is that you will then start like thinking that way. You will start you will start evaluating things that way. You will, you will look at what, you know, not just what your church might be doing, but why it's doing it. Uh, I'll give you another quick example. Um, you, you know, when you talk about churches that have gotten into like the small group movement, the home fellowship, whatever you want to call it, um, that, that can be a great thing. But it can also be a not great thing. Um, if all home fellowships are are individualism spread to just a few more people you're, you're no longer the, you're not being the church the church is the church and I've heard pastors say this they say if you really want to know church if you really want to know our church go to small groups I'm like no that's wrong if that's the case why are we getting together the church is the church and the church should be Trinitarian the small groups, then, if you know, and we do them here, we do home fellowships here, but they should be thought of as Trinitarian. We should think about how does this help the overall community rather than simply break the community up into smaller, bite sized pieces. That's, that's not what the church is supposed to be. I don't have answers for all these things, I just know what the problems are. And so. <laughs> But I, I will think about it. I will not let our church go down the path of creating you know, little pockets, little cliques that we set up that never interact because they're doing real church in their little groups and we only get together and you know don't really build community, uh, the church as a whole. Um, I, sometimes I would raise this question in class when I used to teach at seminary, it'd be like, um, how how big should a church should be you know how big is too big and i would tell them i don't think it's a number i think it's it's a qualitative answer hmm. when the church is so big it cannot be a trinitarian community it's too big and that could be sadly for some churches that could be 10 people because they just they're they're just 10 individuals um, some churches may figure out how to do this, and it could be hundreds, if not thousands. I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that, that we are called to be communities of faith, one body in Christ. And you know, one of the things that really drove it home for me as a church, I wasn't involved in leadership, I used to attend, but we went to a homeless ministry one day and my friend was leading it and he said, he said hey, Two groups came from your church on the same day at the same time, and they didn't know. And and then he said, and then I introduced them to each other. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, you know, that you know. And our church was about maybe seven or eight hundred, but still, it's like, how can we say we're part of the same church if we don't even know each other? So there's something about that. So. Again, what are the implications, How do, you know, where does this lead? Um, it's, it's something that I think as our understanding of scripture and our understanding of who we are in Christ, we understand that in a more Trinitarian sense, it's just gonna start coming out in what we do and the decisions we make and how we even come to the decisions um, that we make. Our church right now is going through our bylaws and You know, I want our bylaws to be thoroughly Trinitarian. I don't want there to be anything in our bylaws that is is going against the Trinity. So, anyways, uh, long answers to a short question. Um, This is another, um, I guess, related question, but not exactly. Uh, This one says, what are the practical implications for us? So what would be implications, instead of, I guess, stuff we should do, what should be implications for, I guess, what, what we receive or who we are?
1: Well, what you said already is taking a fresh look at scripture and listening for what it's saying, um, slowing down a little bit. It's not how far you've read, but slowing down to hear it and then obey it. Uh, Somebody said about the Sermon on the Mount, it may have been um, Martin Lloyd, no, it wasn't Martin Lloyd-Jones, it was Peter Marshall. He said, if we would just read in the Sermon on the Mount until we found something to do, and then go do it, and don't come back until we've got that done. By the time we've gone back and forth from the Sermon on the Mount, we get to chapter 8 of Matthew, we would have changed the world. So if we would just carry out the word in the leadership of the spirit, the Father will bless. So it's, you know, that kind of uh, consistent, you know, discipline and being a part of that. I think another, you can't have oneness unless you have knownness. You use the word to know one another. Um, This one discipleship group in uh, Berkeley, one way they test, if they really know each other, is do you know each other's coffee order? <laughs> you know, just a, a kind of a silly way of thinking about it, or, you know, what your, 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 your favorite um, food is, or something like that, uh, to know each other uh, versus being unknown. I remember one time in chapel, we had a, a brilliant musician, uh, you know, he was a, a child prodigal, not prodigal, well, he may have been <laughs> prodigal, but... What's the prodigy. word I... Prodigy. Prodigy, thank yeah. you. <laughs>
0: but he can say Alamoana. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I learned how to pronounce Maul, yeah. Uh, anyway, he, he was a brilliant improvisationalist on the piano. And we come into chapel, so he's, he's you know, playing the, the prelude, and he starts playing the theme from the TV show, Cheers where everybody knows my name. You know, to be known is very important to all of us. Uh, and, you know, to share from who we are. I remember one time in our church, there was this guy. I, I, the only way I could understand why he behaved like he was is he must have been in a witness protection program because you could never find out anything about him. And I came to the conclusion that Anonymity is a kind of hostility. Being intentionally anonymous is a kind of hostility. And hostility is the opposite of being reconciled. You're being friends. And, um, you know, one of the antidotes to depression is making a new friend. And how do you make a new friend? Well, listening to their story and them listening to your story, sharing stories. And then sharing stories um, in the light of God's story in Christ. Uh, So those are all ways of of being known um, and knowing each other's names. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, there are four ways churches grow Vance Havner, he said, churches grow by addition. A new person is added to the church. And he said, um, churches also grow by subtraction. And I thought, how could that be? And he said, well, when you subtract the right people, the church will grow. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, sometimes a church grows by multiplication. It just, you know, groups are added. you know, Families are added. That's pretty exciting. And he said, the fourth way the churches grow, you know all your math, you know, by division. Um, sometimes intentional, sometimes unintentional. But God grows the church, you know, through division. Well, anyway, our, our church had grown through division. And um, when I got there, you know, the, the other church that had split off is just going great guns. Our church was going pretty good. But I noticed um, if our copy machine broke down, we would go way around the other side of the city rather than going to that former sister church and borrowing there. And they would do the same thing. If people saw each other in the grocery store, they would cut to a different aisle. You know, it's none of that. And I, I really, honestly, I felt like the Lord said to me, said, Rick, this church will never grow beyond this point unless you reconcile with that other church. Well, Lord, how can we do that? And I thought, nobody will turn down an invitation to a joint Thanksgiving service over pie. And so I I invited all the churches, sister churches, uh, to a uh, kind of a shared service. Um, I forget what day it was. I think it was Sunday night, Thanksgiving Sunday night. So. And then so we had worship together. And then we had fellowship, just like this. And I told my people, said, don't you dare sit with only our people. You go sit with those people you try to avoid and have pie. And it was amazing how pie had the capacity to bring some healing. (laughs) You know, food is an amazing source of reconciliation and hospitality. Um, and uh, so, I think that's another uh, intentional practice uh, to love your enemies by eating with them, you know, and uh, become friends again.
0: Here's a here's another question. Um, you know, we talk about when we talk about Trinity. You know, we start talking about love and things like that, and community, and then it can dangerously move into. Some kind of pure subjectivism, or just uh, touchy-feely kind of warm sensations about, you know, emotions and all of that stuff. And it seems like, like, what about the other side? What about accountability? What about um, responsibility? What about those things? Um, how does the, how does understanding the Trinity, how does that speak to us?
1: Um. You know, Christianity is not always easy. And it takes courage to be courageously Christian. And sometimes that means um, I need to speak to somebody about what they're doing and ask them, I don't understand. I see you doing this, but you say that. Could you explain to me what's going on? And I remember uh, at the seminary, a friend of mine, um, I knew he'd gone through some marriage problems and there was a you know, very cute gal that worked in the business office. And I haven't, I, I don't remember, maybe I was trying to pay my bills too. Anyway, he was making a, 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 trying to make a connection to have a, a picnic with her. And so I just said to him, good friend, do you really need to be doing that? That's all I said. And he immediately backed away, and he thanked me years after that for doing that. So we need to look after each other like that. Um, and you say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't blame you. But we all need looking after. When someone uh, new comes to work at the seminary, I always say to them, just, just so you know, just so you know, everybody at the seminary needs Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> everybody from the president to the janitor we all need Jesus don't ever forget that I need Jesus and so we need to look after each other um, and and care for each other. nothing should separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus and uh, I need accountability and I need to give accountability Um, that's a kind of an element of the oneness that that we need to have Um, you know The way the father knew that you loved him is if you love the son. You love this. And it's how I feel about my kids. I don't care if you love me or not. You love my kids. You're good with me. You're not loving my kids. It's going to be hard to be good with me. Yeah. And I think that's the way the father feels.
0: Well, and I think you find like that's it's been the diluting of the term Grace. Grace. A lot of people think grace just means letting somebody get away with something without punishment, and that 's really wrong and the Trinity helps us understand that help us remember that because remember the our redemption is is achieved by the Trinity, and it comes at cost to the Trinity mm-hmm. and so that in and of itself should help us understand grace is never simply to let someone just do whatever they want without any accountability that that's not how you have a healthy community. The reason the first five books of the Old Testament are called the Torah, the law, it's because there's these. this is how God says, if you live this way, you will have a good, healthy society. And here's what happens when people just can't do it. This is what you need to do. Um, there's, there's repercussions for it. Um, You know, so even if we're extending grace, we're extending grace with a purpose. Mm. And our purpose is to, again, help, you know, give people opportunity and the time to develop and to grow so that they can become a stronger part of this Trinitarian community. Um, You know, we have some questions that are asking about, you know, how do you explain the Trinity to uh, Muslims or to Jehovah's Witness or Mormons? My answer is you don't, because that's not their fundamental issue. How many of you would be Christians today if the first thing you had to understand before you became a Christian was the Trinity? If you couldn't get over you know, a full understanding of Father, Son, Spirit, uh, the perichoretic union, uh, the communicado Idiomatum, if you couldn't really understand those things, would you be, would you be a Christian? No, the fundamental problem with these others is not the Trinity. The problem is they, they do not understand grace. And they do not understand that salvation is through faith alone, through grace alone. And to me, that's my view. I've gotten into arguments and discussions with, with Jehovah's Witness and things and they really go nowhere. Um, You know, because, you know, they've been trained to give whatever answers they need to give. And Mormons had similar discussions with Mormons. They really don't go anywhere. And, you know, I think we should just kind of give up the fantasy that if we could convince them that the Trinity is truly who God is, that somehow they will go, oh, thank you, I've been waiting for you to explain that to me, and then all of a sudden convert. And I'm not gonna say there's not exceptions. There's, there's always exceptions. There's always somebody that that's their thing. And if you're dealing with that person, by all means, I can give you things, things you can do to help them. But to me, even if they understand the Trinity and they don't understand grace, and they don't understand the cross, and that it is not by human works that we achieve anything that's of eternal value, it doesn't matter at that point. That's the fundamental issue. Um, anyways, I meshed two questions together. Do you want to say anything else about that was, the? Okay. That was a
1: that was a good mashup. Yeah. Okay. I liked it. All right. Um, I, I I will say one other thing that. let um, how to say this. Uh, for you and, and for me to grow in the life of prayer. Uh, there is a word we haven't mentioned this at this conference, restitution. So after I found Christ, um, and I'm going to walk with him and learn to walk with the Holy Spirit, um, I need most likely, as a new believer, to make amends for some things. I have a friend of mine, when she came to Christ, uh, she had to recognize that she'd spent years, a couple of years, three years, as a shoplifter, so she made a list of everybody who she had lifted from and spent a couple of years going store to store to acknowledge that and pay it back. That was a path of making amends. And, and Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics, they talk about making amends, making things right. Um, back in the day of the beginnings of Salvation Army, when somebody out of the you know, deepest, darkest London would come to Christ um, they would say, all right, now that you've given your life to Christ and found sa- salvation, now you need to face your music. And they would often go right down to the, you know, the jail and acknowledge what their crimes were, do their time. And when we do our time, when we pay back, when we make things right, that is a testimony of how much Christ means to us. And uh, it will... I don't even know what the right word magnify turn up the volume in your prayer life in an unbelievable fashion and many people say well God doesn't hear me well it's probably because of the issue of restitution unmade and you know once we've come to Christ um, I want justice I want my just desserts because it's right I need to you know, face my music and uh, I remember, you remember the scripture that said, uh, that Jesus in the sermon, I said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. As I completed a list of restitution, I felt clean in a way I hadn't felt like that before. And I was walking to church, and everywhere I looked, I, I, I felt like I saw the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And uh, I, so, you know, I'll just throw that on the the. Yeah.
0: Here. And, and just, you know, one last thing. I mean, if, if you're part of a, of a church, a community that's really, like, really living in a Trinitarian way, and if somebody is then, like, asking, you know, about that, oh, maybe at that point that can be helpful to explain. But most of the time um, their, their issue is with, first and foremost, with their sin and mm. with Jesus and they need to take care of that first, and that's tr- understanding grace for sure. Well, we've kind of run over time, but I just want to do this. If you, I don't know if you have quick answers, but let's see if you do. Um, just a quick answer to this. It's um, no. Okay, no. <laughs> Semi-quick answer to, um, of all the different analogies for the Trinity, which is either your favorite, or which is do you think is the best?
1: Uh, First off, I like thinking and analogies. I think it's good for us. I love metaphors. Now, the metaphors, no metaphor is perfect or anything like that, but a three-leaf clover. When the gospel was trying to be shared in Ireland and Patrick is looking around, he saw how in touch the Celts were with nature, and so he used anything he could. So, you know, the the three-leaf clover uh, was significant to just get it on their minds to be thinking in this direction, and you know we're using Celtic Christian symbols for one and three. We used a lot of those those symbols today. Um, you may like the idea of water, as you know, steam, liquid, and ice. It's water, but it has three states. Uh, the same with light. You know, there's a source for the light, there's the light itself, and there's the illumination. So I think any of those are. Are helpful to a point um, and so I would apply them. Uh, Augustine's idea of um, memory as recollection and uh, knowledge and decision-making, those elements, um, him thinking that's part of the image of the triune God embedded in our creation. Now there's another theologian, Karl Barth, said nonsense. But anyway, uh, you still have Augustine's idea. So uh, your best metaphor may mean nothing to somebody, but give it a shot.
0: Yeah, and, and the, as long as you understand that they're all limited, they can only communicate some part of the truth. And that shouldn't shock us. it shouldn't surprise us. We should believe that the God who is Trinity is unique. Um, and that really, it's not really an analogy, but the symbol for... You know the the best earthly symbol is going to be in our personal relationships as mm. Christ. All of the other things they fall short because they're not personal. You know, an egg, water, whatever, light—it's not personal. And the Trinity is 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 personal relationships. Um, and another one of Augustine's that probably is my favorite is when he talks about. The lover, the one loved and and love itself it 's not perfect, but at least it 's relational it 's hmm. the one who is loving the one who is being loved and love itself and there's at least some sense of that that it's 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 relational it 's personal again not perfect um, they they will all fall short at some point, and as long as you are clear about that when you're sharing them with somebody it, it's it's fine um people way smarter than us uh, Cappadocians that Rick showed up earlier you know they had they had a you know a a wonderful analogy that made us you know a really important point about Rose, but also sounded like tritheism, so you know even smart guys can get it wrong so um them's our questions you have everything you want to say at the end here to wrap up
1: oh, it's been a pleasure and a joy to fellowship with you like this and i'm grateful for the opportunity um to share what the lord has shared with me and so thank you for receiving that uh be very interested um uh to hear back stories of what happens because of what we've experienced together. That would be very exciting to me.
0: Yeah, and feel free to, to uh, share with, um, you know, anything with Rick, especially if you're, you know, putting into practice some of the things about about praying and being intentionally Trinitarian in your in your mm-hmm. prayer. Did you have a... Is there a, do you have a website? Oh, okay. We can get some contact
1: information afterwards for you. Um, yeah, for sure. and just put in the... Um, subject matter. Put aloha, and if you put that in, that'll be code. Read this right away. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Good. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we want to thank all of you for being here, and uh, and those of you online, those of you who are in person. I just thank you for being here, and we, and we pray that, uh, as always, as we always say, this isn't where everything ends. You know, right. It's, everything's online. You can, you can you know invite other people to listen to it you can try to get it yourself and break it down for others but um, part of what we do at Waterhouse is we want to get information out we want to get conversations started and then we want to see what God and his spirit will do um, you know through through our churches and in our lives so we do thank you all for being here Rick can you close us with prayer
1: I'd love to Lord it's a glorious uh, day that we're having here and um you say it's a sweet thing when fellowship sort of runs down our hair and runs down our beards if we've got one we've had fellowship today because you were present with us lord we've um we've heard a word we felt the wind of the spirit and it's brought us joy we thank you jesus for the work you did for us on the cross and uh, we thank you, Father, for the resurrection from the dead and the hope that we have for the future. Until then, Lord, keep our fellowship safe and sound and missional. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. Have a good
0: trekking, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>